But I think that if I wanted to make money fast, this is a good scam. I mean, it's fast and you make some money. So, <laughs> um, Listeners, please don't take Rand Levy's advice. The hosts of Smashing Security do not necessarily agree with the opinions. <laughs> or support in any way the views of the guest. <laughs> Smashing Security, Episode 170, Pornhub, Coronavirus Apps, and Remote Working, with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security, Episode 170. My name's Graham Cluley. And I'm Carol Terrio. And Carol, we are joined this week. We are very lucky to be joined this week. Well, it's not like he had anything else to do, because he's been isolated <laughs> in his Tel Aviv apartment. Ran Levy from the Malicious Life podcast. Hello, Ran. Hello, hello. It's great to be back. Ran, how are you handling doing your own podcast, being locked in, in your flat with your family? Oh, man, it's, <laughs> it's difficult. Actually, in the last week and a half, I'm just releasing reruns because recording in my attic, uh, the sound quality is not too bad, but it's different than the usual right. sound quality, yeah. different environment. Mm. So I'm leaving the quarantine in like two, three days, and then I'll return to normal scheduling. But tell us what happened. How have you ended up in self-isolated quarantine? What occurred to you? Yeah, Such bad luck. Um, I commute by train every day. Mm -hmm. And like there are, I don't know how many tens of trains every day to and from my house to Tel Aviv. But Apparently, a corona patient, one of the very first corona patients in Israel, boarded my train at exactly the same time. And you know how it is. I mean, it's a long train, probably a thousand plus people on the train. All right. And they just said, you know what? All of you quarantine now. And uh, actually, it was my wife who kicked me up to the attic. <laughs> she said, what? Is that something she's done before? Have you, has she banished you to the attic in the past? Have you, have you been up there for like 10 days? Yes, oh, I am. Oh, really? Actually, Seriously? Um, yeah. Uh, it's not too bad because this is my basically my home office in, you know, day to day. But if you won't, if you don't leave the same room for like 10 days, at some point, I kept forgetting what day it was because every day seemed like the last one. <laughs> so is it Sunday or is it Monday? I, I, I don't remember. Does it even matter? Now? <laughs> I remember this podcast about this guy who went and lived on his own in a cave to see how long it would take him to go mad. Like no light, nothing. Like we're just yeah, on his own sensory week. deprivation effectively. <laughs> it was in France somewhere in a cave. And he went apeshit, I think, after a few weeks. Uh, I can relate. Well, don't worry, we've got you. You know what's m worse than the isolation? Because, you know, I've got internet and computer and everything. You have no bog. It's you not have no toilet. To... It's going out the window. <laughs> I've, got, I've got the toilet. Hey, thank God. I can, I can handle that. Thank goodness it's, for drain pipes. It's the lack of contact, personal contact. Oh. I haven't touched a human being for almost two weeks. And, oh. I, I mean, it, it, I can feel it. I can, I mean, I want to touch my kids. And you want to hold something. Ran, you know, sometimes you can you can sleep on your arm and you get a dead arm. <laughs> have you I mean if you're desperate? I do have my cat who's not afraid of Poor me. Poor cat. Aww. Poor cat. I think we should move on. Um Carol, what have we got coming up on the show this week? <laughs> 
Uh, first, thanks to this week's sponsors, LastPass and Domain Tools. Their support helps us give you this show for free. Now, on today's COVID-19 special, Graham tells us how to avoid being duped by scammy apps. Ran is going to talk about how Israel is using anti-terror tech to help combat the invisible enemy that is Corona. And I will help you newbie homeworkers out there make sure you have all your cyber bases covered. All this and much more coming up on this episode of Smashing Security, COVID Style. Now, chums, chums. We live in rather scary times. Yeah, I've been saying it for like a right? month. Yeah, <laughs> yes, like Cassandra, <laughs> you've been warning us, Carol, and now it's happened. They are walking amongst us. Some of them have the sniffles, some have sore throats, some aren't showing any signs of infection at all. They might be a bus driver, a cleaning lady, neighbours, partners. It's like a zombie apocalypse. (laughs) It is. Even the hosts of rival security podcasts banished to their attics. Now, for a day or two, it seemed even the germaphobe in chief at the White House, he might be one of them, but he's now been given the all clear. We are all quite understandably worried and concerned about not only catching the coronavirus, but also... Running out of toilet paper. Yeah, yes, exactly. I've I've literally just come back from the supermarket, again, completely bereft of all loo paper. Um, But didn't you uh, just uh, score a stash there, Mr. Cluley? My wife has ordered some loo paper online. Um, It hasn't arrived yet. Oh, so so, uh, he got scammed. But I don't know. (laughs) Anyway... Crazy, crazy times, right? The health authority boffins, they're warning us that most of us will catch it. But if enough of us manage to hold it off for long enough, maybe we'll be able to give the hospitals the best chance to cope with the increased demand. It's like, like you said, Crow, it's like a zombie apocalypse movie. Wouldn't it be wonderful to have a magic wand that we could use to wave in front of people to determine if they're catching a virus? Maybe that isn't a dolphin impression. That's my Geiger counter being able to tell who's got it. I would love one of those. Yeah, it's just called virus testing kits, which, you know, our government didn't think it was yes, important to yes, have well, them. They're, they're, they're a little bit difficult to come by at the moment. Is it hard in Israel to get them, Rand? Uh, yeah, and you don't have them. Only the government has them. Because they're the important people. And what would we do without them <laughs> being in charge? So, so can I just, so if you say you were, you, you suspected that you had contracted the illness, right? You got a fever, whatever. Yeah. What are, what is your Israeli uh, national advice? You don't go to the hospital mm-hmm. because then you infect everybody around you. You call an ambulance. Mm. They come and they test you at home. And you don't leave your home unless real life danger. Is there a little bit of you, though, Rand? Because I I have met Israeli people before, and I know what they can be like. They're beautiful people. They are beautiful people, but they're (laughs) also also rather tough. You don't want to get on the wrong side (laughs) of an Israeli. Is there a bit of of a macho bit of you which kind of thinks, oh, we can just sort of rough this out? Is is that No, that's a lot of I mean, I can rough it out. I don't need to go to the hospital. I mean, it's only the flu for most people. So, yeah, I can rough it out. Yeah, exactly. If you don't have a magic wand or a Geiger counter to be able to tell if someone's infected, maybe these days an app would be the solution, right? And turns out there are apps which claim to do that. They actually exist. What, you mean like an app that tells me whether I have the virus or not? No, they tell you if there's someone near you who has it. Oh, like like confirmed cases. This is how close you are. It's like Tinder. It's like Tinder. It's like, cross the road, cross the road! (laughs) 
It's the opposite of Tinder. It's the anti-Tinder. <laughs> so it tells you there's a guy called Ran. He's got brown eyes. He's six foot two. He likes to live in the attic. You know, he's been virulent for this long. He's been shitting in a bucket. <laughs> now, there is a website called Do not go to it. Do not go to it. People do not type in that name of that website because that website, which is, by the way, also run by uh, a group of people who also run a website called Dating for Sex, uh, which feels like tautology. I'm sure I've gone to that site before. I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, (laughs) don't visit it. If you go there, you will be greeted by a world map of coronavirus infections, which you can zoom in on. Oh, I'm totally addicted to those. I've been looking at the John Hopkins Mm. one like Okay, well, the Johns Hopkins one is legitimate. That's fair enough. Mm. Um, But at the top of this particular one, it has a banner which pops up, which invites Android users to get a real-time number of coronavirus cases based upon your GPS location. Sneaky, sneaky. That is so preying on people's... Yeah. Social engineering at its best. And it says for the best experience, if you download the app, you should enable accurate reporting. (laughs) So you basically turn on all the features. And of course, this is something people want right now, right? I would love to know if I should go down the bottom of the hill or not, or whether I should stay up here at the top of it, right? Where it's going to be safer. Now, this isn't a Google Play app. This is an app which you get from a third-party site. So it's a side-loaded app. And as we all know, although Google Play isn't perfect, and there are malicious apps which get in it sometimes, it's a heck lot safer than downloading apps to your Android phone from any Tom, okay. Dick, or Harry site. Can I? Sorry, I'm really ignorant here, right? Right. So I don't have an Android phone. Mm-hmm. Um, I rarely download apps because I'm paranoid Android. <laughs> oh. um, so, so how does that work? So, if, I would just assume if you if it's not in the Play Store, don't get it. So, how do people download that? How does that happen? Well, there is an option in the Android operating system, which if you uh, if you just click the button or uncheck it, then it allows you to download apps from anywhere. So basically I could borrow, you know, you could borrow your mom's phone, right? Your mm-hmm. teen and go, oh, hey, this is cool. Do you want to have a map to know? If, and then yep. mom would be like, wicked. Yeah, as long as it's free. Mm-hmm. Okay, got you. All you have to have is an APK file and it's a regular mm-hmm. application. I mean, you remember Steve Jobs, you know, was a complete control freak, right? So when he built the iPhone and the iOS operating system, it was all about incredible levels of control. Just because and- he wore a turtleneck does not make him a control freak, right? Well, okay. Anyway, if you run this particular app, if you install it onto your Android, you are greeted by a message which has a sort of anonymous logo on it. And it says, your phone is encrypted. You have 48 hours to pay $100 in Bitcoin or everything will be erased. And it claims to have grabbed your contacts, your pictures, your videos, all your social media accounts. And it says it will leak them publicly and the entire phone will be completely erased. And it locks your phone. You can't use your phone anymore because you have to enter the magic number, which you're, it says you will only get if you pay the ransom. Okay, another question. Mm. So I've lost a number of phones and broken a number of phones in my life. Yes. Right? Because you're a klutz. So, but what I've learned from that experience, certainly on iPhone, is that you could just reset it and everything gets downloaded from your cloud account. Well, yeah, I guess if you've got a backup. Yeah. then you, So you big, sh- you di- big whoop. Don't be afraid if this happens to you. Just go, fine, f- screw off. I'll just reset. Yeah, I'm, I was always wondering how effective are ransomwares in general on mobile mm. devices. Ah. Because, I mean, for most people, I think it's a given that your phone will fall down the toilet at some point. 
<laughs> yes, you're spending a lot of time there right now, of course, because you're, you're dreaming you're in you had a toilet, Tran. <laughs> or down the bucket, uh, whatever works at particular times. And then you, everybody, everything will be lost anyway. So I wonder if people actually pay these kinds well, of ransomware. It is an excellent question, Ran. And we have yeah. the information no. on this particular Graham, piece of God, ransomware. So we impressed. do. You've got so much time to do research these days. Don't be so impressed. This was because of some <laughs> research done by the folks at Domain Tools. Okay. Who first alerted about this particular piece of ransomware. Turns out that this ransomware, which they've called COVID lock, doesn't actually encrypt or steal your files at all. The ransomware is lying. All it has done is locked your Android phone. Well, it's not like they've built a huge trust relationship with me already since the map is a big <laughs> pile of poop. Oh, I see. So you're not feeling too let down by it. Yeah. You're not disappointed. Once burnt, twice shy, dudes. <laughs> Apparently, after you start the app, it just waits for about 60 seconds. So it's sort of mimicking that it's doing things yep. in the background. Thinking. And then displays the ransom note. So you think, oh, crikey, it must have done all this stuff in the background. It's done nothing of the sort. And a new variant of the ransomware is now asking for $250 as opposed to $100. So the price has gone up. But according to the researchers, and this is where we come back to Rand's point, the Bitcoin wallet, which it's asking to be paid, has so far received absolutely nothing. Zero. It's been a failure. Nobody's buying it. It's yeah, been a disaster, <laughs> a, a complete disaster. If you thought the world was having enough disaster, here's another disaster compounded, <laughs> which is that the ransomware authors are a load of old rubbish. They're not They're not fulfilling their promises. They're not encrypting your data. They're not actually stealing your files, and they're not even making any money. Okay, but dude. Despite all their attempts. Grammy, or chum, chum. <laughs> yes. <laughs> don't you think. I don't know if it's a two-way chum thing. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I could call you yeah. what I normally call you. Could but... you please stay at least six feet away? Yes. <laughs> okay, clueless. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, no, couldn't this have been a test? Oh, maybe. Couldn't this just be test malware just to see if the whole thing kind of works and people download it and they're going, see, I told you, boss, people are going to fall for this. Let's do it for real. Well, I suppose so. Certainly, it, it doesn't appear to be the most professional piece of Android ransomware ever seen. One of the interesting things, of course, is that if you were infected by this, and at the moment it looks like it's just security researchers downloading it uh, <laughs> rather than actual real victims of this. But if you were to have your phone locked, the interesting thing is that the unlock code is actually hard-coded within it and is available for anyone to find. So it's not even something which changes. So the unlock code, I can tell you right now, is 486-508-3501. So all you have to do, if if you were unlucky enough to get infected, <laughs> that's the solution. If only it were so easy to fix coronavirus, eh? Yeah. That be Actually, you know what? I think it's it's very smart uh, for the crooks to, to use social engineering in that way yes. and not invest any time or effort in actually creating a ransomware. <laughs> because... <laughs> Because think about, it. I mean, they probably invested like, I don't know, one, two hours, few hours working mm -hmm. on that app and, yep. and the website. Mm -hmm. And that's all. And if they get, I don't know, a hundred dollars, two hundred fifty, maybe a thousand dollars from like four or five people who really fell for that really silly scam, it's, it's a good money for a few hours of work. Yeah. They didn't invest any time in actually creating a ransomware. <laughs> they, so they, yeah, it could be smart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the ROI is huge. They've probably spent so much time washing their hands 48 <laughs> times a day 
that they haven't had time to finish the coding, which is good news for all of us, isn't it? And it actually gives you some hope for the for the for the for, oh, for yes for the future of humanity. This gives us hope that the economy will be restored, that we won't face financial apocalypse because of all this horror which is going on right now. Because we are, we see actual entrepreneurial spirit in action, don't we? Because we're seeing these guys well, taking advantage a of an opportunity. Bit creative in their deception. We're going to yes, give them a little yeah. award. Well, not a physical award, Crow. Right, but Look, you know, you sound like you you sound impressed. I'm just saying. No, I am actually quite impressed. Oh, I mean, great. this is this really is how bored you are. We're not surprised you're impressed. You've been sitting in the same room for ten days. Yeah, I mean, any entertainment in my case is good this entertainment. Is, yeah, this is but, this is one of the best things you've done all week. We know that. But I think that if I wanted to make money fast, this is a good scam. I mean, it's fast, and you make some money. So, <laughs> um, listeners, please don't take Rand Levy's advice. The hosts of Smashing Security do not necessarily agree with the or opinions. support in any way. <laughs> well, it's with some dread now that I say, Ran, what's your story for us? Yeah, okay. So now um, I'll give you a story straight out of Israel, of course. I think it was the last time that we spoke. I also gave an exam- story from Israel because we've got lots of <laughs> interesting news going around. <laughs> And actually, uh, I think it was uh, eight hours ago, the government approved in a kind of a very hush-hush move and very, like, quick decision for the uh, – it's called – just a second. Ooh, there's what? Hey, hang on. Oh, what is going on? Is that <laughs> the, the Palestinians? Ap- What's going on, man? <laughs> it's the apocalypse. The four horses of the apocalypse. One just landed above my house. Oh, yeah, anyway – the government approved the Shin Bet, which is the um, it's the equivalent of the FBI in Israel. Oh, yeah. It's the internal security uh, force. Okay. To track corona patients' cell phones and report to people around them if they were in the vicinity of someone who was infected. Uh I just feel like I've been in a time warp. How does this, Graham, this sounds very... This sounds very much like the app which the ransomware <laughs> yeah. guys were promising. Turns out the Israelis have actually written it. It works. <laughs> <laughs> what they are doing, and that's, I mean, the, the headline of most news stories about it were kind of Israel uses anti-terror technology to counter coronavirus. This is a bit clickbaity because it's not actually anti-terror technology. It's a simple... You know, mobile tracking technology. You can contact the uh, mobile companies, the mobile service providers. And if you have the, uh, you know, from the court, you have the proper documents, they'll give you the information about whoever is their client and where in the world he is you know, okay. moving around. It's basically the same technology that they use every day. So how, how do you think this will be used in principle? Will it be used against individuals? So, for instance, imagine there is a train where a known coronavirus victim has been on the train. And w- would they use this to track other people who had been on the train to identify them? Is, is that the sort of thing which is... Yeah, the way they are planning to use it, and as I said, it's really just in the couple, last few hours that the announcement was made, mm. is that... When somebody is tested and is seen to be positive, infected with coronavirus, they go back and see the records of all the places he were. He was in the last oh, 14 days. Right. And then automatically they send messages to all the people whose phones were around this guy while he was, you know, moving around the world. So if, for example, in my case, if the corona patient that was on my train, mm 
was, uh, say, in my immediate vicinity in the train, they probably could tell that from the geolocation of the uh, mobile device. And they could have sent me immediately uh, SMS saying, you know, this guy who right now was tested positive, a week ago, he was near you in the train. So now go and test yourself or be quarantined. And um, I think it's a great idea, basically, because now you can really control the infection vectors. If somebody is detected, you can get a hold of the people who were near him and everybody's got a cell phone. And, But think um, about it. Like, it's crazy as well, though. Like, don't think the world's not going to change. If one person in one train impacts, what, 80 people and they are then all yeah. in quarantine for two weeks? And that happens everywhere. It's going to be uh, an interesting time for us all. It is already. I mean, think about mm -hmm. my case. I was in a train with some a thousand other people. Right. All of them were quarantined because we don't know where that guy's been specifically on the train. Exactly. If I knew he was in the same car as me in the train, I would be quarantined. But if, I, if we knew that he was in the back of the train, I was in the front of the train, I would probably be, mm -hmm. be safe. I, don't, I wouldn't have to be quarantined. So I think the potential of that kind of technology to really help control the epidemic sounds great. Mm. Really sounds great. Yeah. I think the well, only yes. caveat here <laughs> is that that decision, specific decision, which is a good decision, basically, it was gotten to in a way which is very problematic because there is no parliamentary oversight mm. over that decision. Yeah. And nobody prevents the government from abusing that They just decided it. There's no oversight from judiciary system or the parliamentary system. So nothing stops the government from tracking political rivals, you know, abusing right. the power as we are always afraid of governments. I, uh, so I think it's the process that's problematic here. And maybe not the precedent. The actual use. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it, I can imagine if this was used outside of Israel in the rest of the world, and I, I, maybe other countries will. Let's take an example, for instance, Justin Trudeau. Uh, the boss of Canada, he, he's been self-isolating and his wife, I believe, was infected by mm -hmm. coronavirus. Mm -hmm. Now, I then heard that Idris Elba, the actor, uh, also infected. He, he's also yeah. infected. Turns out he met up with Justin Trudeau's wife. Oh, do you <laughs> and now I'm not pointing any <laughs> fingers here, but we all know what Idris Elba's a bit like with the ladies in terms of the ladies' reaction. I'm just saying they were clearly in proximity and that's possibly how it happened. Maybe it happened at a conference instead. Of I cannot believe untoward. you're bringing I'm just my mother country's <laughs> leaders into such disrepute. Idris Elba isn't British Prime Minister yet, Carol. He's not, he's not actually our leader. <laughs> But maybe one day. I'm sure it won't happen. Anyway, I'm just saying yeah. there's clearly privacy angles here, and this information could Who be Who could blame her anyway? If just for gossip. Yeah, that's what I was expecting. Uh -huh. That's what I, I mean, was it expecting. raises the question of, I mean, what's the, the role of right for privacy in such extreme well, situations? exactly. Uh, even even a I, normal day, yeah. it's hard, right? Exactly. And, I mean, people in Israel, of course, are talking about it, saying, well, this is, this is obviously an invasion of privacy, but... The consensus is that, okay, this is probably a good idea in the short term, not a good idea in the long Seriously, term. Seriously, guys, you don't have to worry about that because we're all going to be dead anyway. So <laughs> I think stop worrying about these hypotheticals. I'm not going to be dead. I haven't left my house in two weeks. Okay. We're going to be all, all dead, but our butts are going to be very clean. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> buying toilet papers like crazy. I mean, what are they all doing with that? I have a conspiracy theory about that. Carol, let's hear it. <laughs> What's your story for us, Carol? I'll tell you after the show. I'll tell you after the show. Okay. You know, you guys, though, you keep thinking about yourselves in this time of crisis. Um, and you're forgetting a very important industry that is oh, yeah. seriously impacted by this. Mm-hmm. Can you think what it is? Ice cream salesman. What do we, what, well, I don't know. Uh, the porn industry. Oh, the porn right? industry. Not mm-hmm. only can they not get their hands on any anti-back wipes, oh. <laughs> <laughs> just the requirement <laughs> of the job puts them at risk. Maybe actually, maybe there's probably some niche hazmat suit smut somewhere or something. I bet there is. <laughs> I bet there is too. <laughs> you think I'm kidding, really. You think I'm kidding. But if uh, the Free Speech Coalition said in an announcement that it's asking the producers to voluntarily cancel all shoots through to March 31st <laughs> so that performers stop shooting new content with people who aren't part of their households. I've never heard it called shooting new content before. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but that is not my story today. I know you wish it were. Good. Good. That's unthinkable. I can do without the economy, but the truth is that we have run out of porn, so we do need more to be made. It's not like there isn't an awful lot out freely available. You don't have to go down the supermarket and find it on a shelf. It's everywhere, for goodness sake. Why, why, why would you need more? Well, there's something else to consider in all this, right? Especially if there's a dearth in porn. Apparently, China has announced a spike in divorce requests, claiming that the coronavirus has forced couples to spend too much time together during during their quarantine. And they're just like, I have married a freaking bozo. I can relate. Rand's wife had the answer to that. She just sent him to the attic. Put them in the attic. Can someone divorce with their kids after two weeks at home? However, we digress. My story, uh, which I've uh, mentioned many, many, many times before, is about the uh, need for social distancing. And that's one of the ways we're trying to contain the spread of this contagion. And for a lot of us, that means uh, working from home, which turns out is a big opportunity. Those of us that have that opportunity should be feeling really blessed right now because there are millions of people that don't have that. Mm. Now, From those of us that have been doing it for some time, we've inadvertently optimized our situations over the years, haven't we? And we've made our environments pretty bearable. Like we know our neighbors. We have a snack cupboard. You know, we have hobbies (gasps) and daily routines to try and manage all that stuff. Entertainment, productivity, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Talking to people. (laughs) Can I just say that the whole reason I started working from home was to stop talking to people. It's because in the office, it was kind of obvious that I was choosing not to talk to people. But now at home, it's, I can get away with it much more easily. <laughs> well, okay, so I wanted to know how many people do you think in the UK work from mm-hmm. home as their main job? So I, t- I looked up uh, 2019 statistics just to try and bypass oh, this I don't stuff. know. Uh, one in 10. So one in 40. Oh, so okay. one, really? point, one and a half million people work from home. So one in 40 of workers work from home. And in the States, it's closer to one in 30. So that means there are millions of people out there that are currently being asked to work from home for the first time. Twitter has has told people to work from home. Amazon, Google, NASA, JP Morgan, Samsung, the list goes on. My company's uh, team is working from home. Right. Yeah. 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 Because you probably spread the disease, Ran. 
<laughs> no, there nobody is sick, but everybody's working. Everyone's been ordered home. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, as a precaution. Yeah. Okay, so you know we make jest, but it is super stressful, right? And I think all of us know something or two about security, and we know one or two things about working from home. So I thought we could share a few of our tidbit advice with our listeners to help oh, them okay. get through this. Mm-hmm. So let's get the boring security stuff out of the way first. <laughs> So my first piece um, would be that orgs really need to provide a to-do list for people to ensure that their home environment is safe for them to do work from and to access files and all the stuff they're supposed to do. Um, some home workers are going to be asked to use their personal machines. Yes. Others will have dedicated working machines. Others will be waiting for machines to be delivered. Mm. And the first big security nightmare, I think, is making sure that that home machine is safe to access work files and services. So big companies out there are going to know what to do, right? But there are some companies that are facing this for the very first time. Yeah. I would say make sure you're not using the default password that was provided with your router. That's mm-hmm. basic security. Yeah. One on one. Yeah. You should always do that. Yeah. 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 And lots of people don't. So if you haven't, go do that. The other thing is locking your screen. All the time. Mm-hmm. Some of you with kids out there um, are going to be having that problem of how do I get the kids, keep the kids off this machine so they don't play their games and don't get on it. Because <laughs> not everybody's has a house full, full of tech. And this might be the only piece of, you know, decent equipment in the house. Yeah. Um, so making sure that the passwords are not known and not shared just because you can't be bothered to go put it in and don't let them play with it. And if they do, I think you need to report it to IT. I would even go a step further and, and disallow the, the the employees from working from their own personal computers. I think companies should provide them with the, you know, uh, laptops from work because for many people, I think the home machines are vulnerable because we download stuff and we browse, you know, yep. unsafe uh websites, whatever. And I mean, I have like six, seven people working for me. I can never be sure what their home environment is. I can never trust it. So I would probably give them laptops from work and you know, say you only access the company's, uh, you know, IT infrastructure from these computers. Don't log in from your home computer. That's like probably a corrupted and virusful environment in the day to day. I think that's a sensible investment for companies to make. I mean, if it may only cost yeah. them like £600 per computer. but Exactly. <laughs> that's a ton of money if they're looking at being shut down if they don't get business ramp up in the next eight weeks. Well, yeah. And ov- obviously, they have to order these things and get them delivered. The, the hardware manufacturers are going to do well, at least, if they manage to keep their supply chains going. But uh, I-, I think from the security point of view, ideally – they are going to be using an approved computer, which has been checked over by uh, the IT team rather than yes. Lord knows yeah, what. Another option Windows is 95. to uh, maybe provide some sort of a virtual machine on that home computer. So it's it's technically more difficult. You'd have to probably bring a technician to actually operate this or set up the install. But uh, I, that's another option because... Giving the people the work, the, the option to log in from, I mean, it's a horrible environment, the home computer with games from the kids and everything. There's probably a large percentage of malware hiding in those file, files anywhere. So 
I wouldn't give them the option to log in from their personal computers. That's too big a risk, I think. It's a complicated one, but I think some will be forced to go down that route. And yeah. one of the things to think about is organizations really ought to have a route so that staff know what to do in case there's problems, like who to call, what are the emergency procedures. Think, for example, little Jimmy just stuffed a peanut butter sandwich into one of your laptops. Right. So, so what do you do now? Hang on, I'm on the IT support desk. <laughs> Jimmy. Okay. Oh, yeah. It'd be the peanut butter thing. Right. <laughs> right. So, even something as, as lame as that can put someone off work and, and give people the tools to do the job. Right. They, they, if they're running a computer, whether it's one that your company has provided or one that which they have themselves, then it needs to be up to date with security patches. It needs to be running up to date antivirus software. Uh, you're probably going to have to have two-factor authentication in place to allow them to log into the company network remotely. You've got three of my five. Okay. Carry on. Uh, you're doing great. <laughs> Password manager, have we mentioned? <laughs> Anti-malware. Yeah, we mentioned that. Uh, full, full disk encryption as well, because if, yes, you've got the, and- if you've got the data, sensitive data, company data, you don't want that laptop being stolen or mislaid at some point. And numbers. Uh, what haven't I mentioned? And the last one is backing up, backing up, oh, backing, backing up. up, backing up. So in a worst case scenario, there, as we've seen from Graham's story, there are people out there scouring around trying to dupe you and in some cases fake you into thinking you have ransomware, but in some cases you really will. And in those cases, it is very nice to be able to wipe and reinstate from where you were. So keep a backup. Crow, do you have any tips for uh, porn stars who are worried about working from home? Self-love is the way I'd go right now. (laughs) Oh, I guess so. Over a webcam. And over to Pick of the Week. (laughs) This week's podcast is sponsored by Domain Tools. They help security analysts turn threat data into threat intelligence and help you assess threats and prevent future attacks. They've got something very cool I think you're going to like. A Capture the Flag competition, which can win you $100 in the form of an Amazon gift card. If you want to join in the fun, Visit DomainTools.com slash smashing to enter the Capture the Flag competition before it closes on the 1st of April. And may the most geeky listener win! So many of us now are realizing that moving to a fully work-from-home environment isn't always easy. But LastPass is here to make that transition easier, all without decreasing security. LastPass ensures your employees have secure access to their work applications and provides remote employees the ability to securely share passwords across teams in order to stay on top of critical projects. If you want to learn more, visit lastpass.com forward slash smashing on with the show and welcome back can you join us on our favorite part of the show the part of the show that we like to call pick of the week pick of the week pick of the week pick of the week is the part of the show where everyone chooses something they like could be a funny story a book that they've read a tv show a movie a record a podcast a website or an app whatever they wish doesn't have to be security related necessarily Oh, is it? Not entirely. Oh, Graham. Not really. Okay. It's because, of course, we've talked about coronavirus and it is causing hardship. I think we should around. call it COVID-19. I think the world is calling it coronavirus. Yeah, except that, um, you know, the corona, the beer manufacturers' stock prices have, along <laughs> with everyone else's, but uh, they've had a special nosedive. 
because of people calling it Corona. And let's call it the Diamond Princess Cruise virus then, or chi- <laughs> the, the Chinese virus, as I believe. Oh the, no, no, the germaphobe no, no. in chief is called. Chinese it. really don't like. No, when we quite call right it the too. Chinese quite right I wouldn't too. either. Jeez. No, no, it wasn't me who said it first. So um, obviously, lots of hardship being caused around the world, and it's a serious problem. And many people are like Ran, and they've been locked up in their houses. And we saw Italy. We're watching Italy. Yeah, Italy has been shut down, and everyone's stuck in their homes. And hence, I was rather bemused to see an announcement from a website which said that it would be giving free access to its premium version to everyone in Italy for the entire month. And the name of that website is Pornhub. <laughs> so, and so Pornhub, who are quite good on the PR department, they're quite good at getting their name in the press. Amazing. They are amazing. Yeah. <laughs> they, they announced that everyone in Italy can have free access to – apparently there is some premium version of Pornhub. I can't imagine what that gets you. But anyway, we're not watching really. But anyway, More porn. Well, I suppose. But <laughs> – Jesus, Franco, enough with the porn hub. <laughs> so, um, there so is an issue, They're not going to be bored. Yes, People what's that? about the idea of can the internet handle all this high-def video streaming well, that people are doing uh, <laughs> around the world while, you know? Yes, yeah, that's right. Steam, apparently, it just uh, celebrated 20 million users in one day, which broke all records. Yeah, will, will they be able to yeah, keep it up or not? Uh, it's always the problem, isn't it? That's the question. <laughs> <laughs> so the Italians have free Pornhub for That's like, right. So wow. if you have an Italian nice. IP address. Yeah, Ran, or a VPN, Ran. <laughs> exactly. Because this is what has He's happened. He's alone. He's alone. Lots the kids people, are not allowed near him. <laughs> lots of people are using their VPN to pretend to be in Italy to access Pornhub. It's going to be reruns though. And in Nothing fact, live. <laughs> and in fact, <laughs> the guys at Proton VPN they tweeted saying, we finally figured out why our Italian VPN servers are under such high load. So apparently they're getting swamped <laughs> by lots more requests than normal. And they've had to – apparently they are adding new servers as fast as possible to cope with the demand. But obviously there are supply chain issues. So basically I understand from your, what you're saying is that the Italians right now are mostly either watching porn or singing from their ah, balconies. Ah, yes. <laughs> That's the two – See, they know how to live. <laughs> I like the Italian. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you know, I, I read another article, uh, I think it was yesterday, something like that, from uh, Pornhub. They have what's called Pornhub Insights. Oh, it's, yeah. a, it's, 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 a web, it's a regular website. It's not, uh, you know, uh, yeah, that's what you told your wife. It's just, <laughs> 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 it's for research. Really, it's for research. <laughs> it doesn't have any porn, but it gives. It gives lots of interesting insights okay. on statistics that they gather from the website. And you just happened to be you know, looking at that yesterday. Uh, <laughs> okay. I'm a man of, you know, varied interests. <laughs> and bored so, out of your mind. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and bored out of my mind, exactly. And it turns out that, if I remember correctly, there, there has been about 7 million uh, searches for the coronavirus in, in, in Pornhub. In the last 30 days or so. What? What? Corona porn? COVID? Actually, COVID porn? So rather than coming round pretending to be a plumber to fix the dishwasher, they're instead <laughs> yeah. they're coming round in a hazmat suit. <laughs> Just need to check you for coronavirus. Just give you this little injection here. There's something like that. Yeah. If, if somebody is searching for coronavirus on Pornhub, 
it's really interesting to think about what are they trying to find there? No, I mean, actually, Pornhub is a great place for statistics because that website gets <laughs> tremendous amount of traffic. And they, I mean, browsing the, the insights is fascinating. I mean, it's not my pick of the week, but it's fascinating. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> the insights. <laughs> Only the insights. Ran. Ran, what's your pick of the week? Oh, my pick of the week is uh, Tamer. It's more down to oh, earth. Thank goodness. L- literally. Uh, it's called earth.nullschool.net. And it's a Google Earth-like visualization of global weather. Uh, weight, uh, winds, atmospheric, atmospheric pressure, ocean currents, etc. Mm-hmm. And I would really recommend visiting it. I mean, if you're a weather buff, it's like, it's amazingly pretty. Because the the animation is fantastic, you can see winds oh, and wow. circulations. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, yeah, and it gives you a real sense of how the global weather systems are working together, like how various, you know, oceans and lakes contribute to the overall weather patterns. It's very interesting to watch that. I mean, uh, everybody is usually focused on the weather in their specific location. But when you zoom out and yeah. you see the weather over the Mediterranean and how you know, the weather in the UK is influenced by what's happening in like Iceland. Is this Greenland, live? Is this live? It's, it is. It's, uh, I think it's refreshed every few minutes or so. It's almost live. Well, maybe there's a short delay, but it's taking the data from lots of various resources. Uh-huh. I wonder if it'll change with the change in traffic, air traffic patterns and the like, if there'll be any mm-hmm. spotted differences, if it had any impact at all. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So it's very recommended. Uh, it's very beautiful and calming, actually. Cool. That's earth.nullschool.net. And if you didn't catch that, we'll put it in the show notes. Terrific. Crow, what's your pick of the week? Well, okay. I was going to not be uh, – just because you lowered the tone, Graham, with your pick of the week. So I asked Sorry. my other half, right, what he uh, what he thought my pick of the week should be. Mm-hmm. And he said, have more sex. What? <laughs> so I'm just – Hang on. I think, did. I think that's what your, your husband's answer is to everything, isn't it? <laughs> And then I said, oh, that's a good idea. I said, that's a great idea. So people get pregnant and then they can't go to the doctors without risking infection. And what are they going to be called? What's the generation going to be called? Oh. Milenovids? The COVID generation. Yeah. Deadly boomers. COVID boomers. (laughs) And so he was like, well, let's, what about a safe sex then? And I was like, well, where are you buying your paraphernalia? Where are you buying your safe sex paraphernalia? Paraphernalia? Sorry, what does he use? Well, condoms and other, other things. Yeah, what he needs is a condom. He doesn't need a, he doesn't need a cloak. He needs a, he needs a Zorb. That's what I told him. He needs a Zorb. Is there a run, is there a run on condoms like there are, there is a run on the looping? Okay, if you could, if you needed to take the train, you're going to be taking the train soon. And let's say that infection levels are like at least one in four, right? And you can't find gloves to save your life anywhere. Would you consider putting two rubber, two, two condoms on each of your hands? <laughs> what? <laughs> I think I would. I would be probably hospitalized in the psychiatric department. <laughs> I don't know how <laughs> you get the second the- one on, to be fair, but, um, <laughs> anyway, that was my husband's recommendation. I am not taking his recommendation. I'm recommending a podcast that ah. you cool him down because it is called Cold. Oh, okay. What's that about? 
Now it's about, okay, so let me just give you the premise here. So Susan Powell, okay, mm-hmm. she vanished in uh, 2009 and her body was never found. Mm-hmm. From the very beginning, police suspected it was her husband, Josh Powell, okay, that he was responsible for the murder, right. but they've never arrested him. And this uh, podcast is 24 episodes, each an hour long. And it's by this host who's like an investigative journalist who I think is completely obsessed with this whole story. (laughs) If they've done 24 one-hour episodes, they probably are, yes. Right? So his name's Dave Cauley, and he, like, he seriously deep dives. He got all the paperwork from everybody. So he plays, like, the whole interview between, um, you know, the husband, the father, the one they suspect of murdering, and the cops, and you get to hear everything. And he's also interviewing the detective at the same time. So you get to hear his view 10 years on, on what he did right and what he did wrong. I don't know. It's There's just something quite glorious about it. It's you got 24 hours of entertainment there if you need something to do other than talk about the virus. Sounds fantastic. Yeah. I love true crime podcasts. Has the husband been arrested now or is he been detained or? Maybe now. I'm not through it all yet. I'm only at episode 10. I've listened to 10 hours. So I felt it was fair to kind of come on the show. So anyway, I recommend if you like true crime and it's an unusual, he's, you know, I love it when, um, when someone really is into their topic, right? And you can tell they're just like nuts for it and they've really gone into it. So, um, not only will this calm my husband down, so I recommended it to him, but, uh, if any of you, yeah. So if you need something hot, go to Pornhub. If you need something cold, check out Cold, a podcast from Wandry. It's quite difficult to find via search. So I will put a link into the show notes for you. Could could this chap who's been accused, could he not take legal action against the podcast or something? I mean, if he hasn't. You know, that's a great it, it's question. A, I mean, it's a little bit uncomfortable, isn't it? The thought that someone could start a podcast about me claiming that I had murdered someone. I'm already working on it, dude. <laughs> I'm on it. It's going live soon. I've got a lot more time now to work on it. <laughs> and on that note... <laughs> We swiftly wrap up the show. Ran, I'm sure lots of our listeners would love to follow you online and find out more about what you're up to. What's the best way for folks to do that? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so uh, um, my podcast is called Malicious Life. Uh, it's about the history and the present and the future of uh, cybersecurity. And you can follow me on Twitter uh, at Malicious Life or at Ran Levy, R-A-M-L-E-V-I. Very cool stuff. And you can follow us on Twitter at Smash Insecurity, no G, Twitter and last ever G. And you can also join us on Reddit. Uh, join us up on the Smash Insecurity subreddit. As always, a huge thank you for listening to us, especially during a bleeping pandemic. Your support and kind words will get us through. Our aim is to keep going, unless one of us gets sick. Also, a huge thank you to this week's Smashing Security sponsors, LastPass and Domain Tools. Their support helps us give you this show for free. Check out smashingsecurity.com for past episodes, sponsorship details, and information on how to get in touch with us. Until next time. Cheerio. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Next week, guys. See you then. Speak to you then. Don't see you. Graham, do you think maybe we should think about doing more than one show a week? Do you think people would like that? I don't know. 
Do you think people would tell us whether they, they would like that? Probably not. They'd probably just be silent. They would get no feedback at all. Unless, really? unless you know dear, different, dear listener. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Dot, Interesting. Dot, dot, dot. Come on. You want more episodes? Let us know. Bye.